Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode 41. I am your host, Carter E. Jeff, we're in a new location this week and sitting in the same room this week after my uh, travel miscues. I did safely make it home, but we are here now at Capitol Ford in Carson City and uh, the little setup we got here, just kind of hiding away in an office, but uh, uh, on location, on the po- podcast, so... We got a lot to talk about this week with, uh, obviously, two football games to catch up on between Carson and Douglas, and then we'll talk about some of the uh, volleyball team's kind of season previews, amongst other things. I know we talked about soccer last week, so switch over to volleyball this week, which should be interesting. I think both Carson and Douglas volleyball are going to be fun teams to watch this year, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Call that a little tease for later on as you can hear we got a little bit of background noise but hopefully that doesn't turn any of you guys away from from listening at this point uh i do want to thank today's title sponsor though which is double j auto in minden uh that you can find them online at www.doublejautoenv.com maybe we'll just start rolling through car and automotive dealership and stuff like that maybe they'll pick us up and take us yeah (laughs) we'll be chauffeured (laughs) the big shots that we are the big shots that we are oh there's some sarcasm behind that but i'm sure you guys could pick up on that we will start with carson football both carson and douglas were on the road this week in california carson went down to calaveras uh, which was in San Andreas, California. I was hoping not to mix those up. San Andreas, California, and Carson won 14 nothing. Uh, 0-0 game at halftime. Took took a while for the offense to get going, but once they did, um, Carson, I guess the best way I, I put it to Coach Bouchard and the questions I asked him post-game was, did it feel like things really started to click in the second half? Because uh, in the first half, you know, offensively, they were kind of getting blown up through the middle, and uh, Chris Guerrero was in a little bit of trouble almost any time he dropped back, and it was tough for them to kind of get the the offense rolling. But in the second half, they they kind of figured something out and started to move the ball and ended up scoring touchdowns on their final two drives. Um, one of them started on a setup by a third-down completion to DiCarlo Quintana that gave Carson a new set of downs. Uh, Marcus Montez did a really good job at getting into space in the second half. He finished with 119 yards and a touchdown on 19 carries. He scored, or excuse me, he scored their second touchdown, but in the late in the third quarter, he had an 11-yard scamper that got them down to Calaveras' 25. Uh, Chris Guerrero hit Parker Story for a 24-yard passing touchdown, which of course, or excuse me, 24-yard pass completion, which set up a one-yard touchdown from JT Heaton to give Carson a 1-0 lead. And as I kind of alluded to, <clears throat> Marcus Montez in that last drive to kind of ice the game, if you will, six carries, 59 yards. He was the guy and showed why he's why there were other other coaches talking to me about Carson's backfield and why they were concerned with having to defend the speed that they have between Montez, Story, and and whoever else they got there. Um, Coach Pochard sung Montez's praises, uh, saying, "You know, he has never played running back before, which is a new position for him. He was a wider, been a wide receiver, um, but that shift into the backfield, you could see something, some clicked there for for Carson and." Um, the, really the whole offense, it just felt like it kind of, uh, kind of put together. And, uh, as coach Bush said, the, the offensive line figured it out in the second half. I know they're, they're young across the front, but 
it was definitely a, a half to kind of set a tone for the upcoming few games. I know they uh, return home this week for a game against Basic at 7 p.m. We will get to the schedule for this week here. It's going to be a new little segment we do probably toward the end of the episode where we kind of run through what to expect or what to see this week in uh, northern Nevada sports, if you will. So, yeah, 14-0 win for Carson over Calaveras. Like I said, Marcus Montez finishes with 119 yards on 19 carries. DiCarlo Quintana led the way receiving-wise, four catches, 42 yards there. Uh, Parker Story was had some nice kick returns as well. Um, some penalties brought a couple back, but uh, nothing too crazy there. Alex Myrene finished with 14 tackles for the Senators. A nice game for him. Carson had another couple of guys with double-digit tackles as well. JT Heaton also had eight along with his touchdown. Sam Marquetta had a sack, and... Uh, Isaac Avina, again, he ended up leaving the game with a little bit of an ankle injury, but Beauchard's optimistic that he'll be back this week. He didn't think it was anything too serious, but while he was in, <laughs> you ready for this? Three punts, 146 yards. That is an average of 48.7 yards, and he pinned them inside the 20 twice, more specifically inside the 10 twice, which one of them was down to the two. It's a high school kid kicking at 50 yards. Mm-hmm, and making it look as easy as it's beautiful when it flies, too. Seeing his punts, you just are in amazement that they fly that well. Yeah, and it sounds like you can hear it off off the foot. Just I don't know what else to say. I feel like, I feel like I've said it a few times when you have a – I mean, he was a first-team all-region kicker for a reason, kicker-punter. Um, I know, obviously, that if he can't go, there'll be some some shuffling they had to do. They had uh, – Montez was actually back taking, taking punts when um, – story left or excuse me when avena left the game so that'll be something to watch parker story took uh had a 57 yard kickoff return too so definitely some bright spots for carson they uh sit now at one and one uh, and like i said come home friday to take on basic from henderson still non-league games um which will make more sense in the next one because douglas will play mcqueen this Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, however, they fell to Vanden this past Saturday, uh, 32 to 10. Douglas had their chances to to be in this game, and I think Kyle May said it best. I mean, they could have gone into the halftime locker room down 20 to seven, maybe even 20 to 14. He was optimistic, or he was positive, thinking they could have done that. Instead, it was it was 20 to zero. Um, just. Douglas went forward a few times on fourth down, got got stopped. The the defense did a good job of keeping them in it, though, and uh, had a couple of drive-stalling plays. Cole Smalley had an interception, um, thanks in large part due to Trace Estes uh, deflecting a ball at the line, and he got all of it, and that ball just went straight up in the air. And I'm sure, I mean, I was watching online, but I'm sure you just see everybody's eyes just, just go super wide. That is... Uh, once that ball gets deflected at the line and goes up, everybody's everybody's going. Where's the ball? Because it's it's anybody it's it's free range at that point. Uh, it's got a mind of its own. Uh, Douglas ended up not scoring after getting that ball, but after Vanden drove it back down the field, Douglas ended up punching the ball out and recovering the fumble. Uh, I did not was not able to get confirmation on who had that fumble recovery. Let me see if that is something they've listed online at this point it doesn't look like it so like i said 32 10 final there between douglas and vanden uh the second half i mean douglas had 
four or five trips to the opponent to Vannon's side of the field. And of course, um, there toward the, uh, was it early third quarter or at the end of the second quarter, uh, they had Connor Jackson had a long run and yeah, this was at the end of the second quarter toward the end of the second quarter, Connor Jackson, long run, set him up in the red zone. They got down inside the 10 and, Unfortunately, that deflected pass went back the other way, and a ball ended up right in a linebacker's hands for Van, and he fell on it in the end zone. So that kept it 20-0 to zero at the half. Uh, Cole Smalley, I mean, I said this last week, and you're going to continue to see it for anybody who's wants to watch a Douglas game. Uh, 15 tackles, three for loss, and an interception along with a sack. I mean, <laughs> that's... He had 25 he's, tackles he's last worth week. Going just to watch him. Forget <laughs> he's about got, the rest of the game. Just watch what he does. <laughs> he's got. He's averaging 20 tackles a game at this rate. It's a little absurd. He's getting a lot of praise from older brother Chris Smalley, who obviously we, as we've talked about, is up at the University of Nevada Reno. They won their first game against New Mexico State uh, this past Saturday, but I won't dive too much into that. Like I said, Douglas did get on the board in the second half, scored on their final two drives of the game. Caleb Valdez hit a 28-yard field goal uh, to make it 26-3. to I think that was just get him on the board. Douglas, like I said, had, had had some tough tough times getting in, getting the ball actually into the end zone, which, as Kyle May said, post-game to me, and makes perfect sense. It's, it's tough to score once you get down there. I mean, you back the defense up, and there's only so far for them to go. So it kind of you know naturally clogs the field, but... Douglas's final drive went 55 yards, ended with Aiden Flory on a little quarterback scramble to get into the end zone to hit that final of 32 to 10. Uh, here's just a quick quote from Kyle Mays from Saturday's recap. If you missed it, quote, we talk all the time that closing out drives is extremely hard to do for the kids to get down there and put points on the board as a step in the right direction. Hopefully we can build on that going into next week. And as I said, next week or this week is McQueen. Queen's 0-2 so far, but they've obviously played two non-league games as well. This is a Saturday start, 1 p.m. at McQueen. So back-to-back Saturday starts for Douglas. Maybe they're just getting the whole roster ready to be playing on Saturdays for college football. Hot. Probably. It's supposed to be almost almost 100 degrees. Well, they just came off a game in Vanden where it was high 90s, so that's definitely something, too. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the strategy for for the Tigers this year is see if they can, they can handle the heat. See, see if everybody, what the extremes we can play. We play a hundred degrees and we play at 10, 10 degrees. Connor Jackson ended up with, uh, 18 carries for 109 yards. His long was 64, which had to have been the, the carry there in the second quarter. He went from inside their 20 to, I want to say right around Vanden's 20. So it was at least, like I said, at least 60 yards. So 18 carries, 109 yards for Connor Jackson, who, had 98 yards and a touchdown a week ago. So he's he's got over 200 yards on the season. Five different receivers had catches for the Tigers on offense. Uh, leading the way was Trace Estes with 29 yards, averaging 14 and a half yards per, carry, or per catch there. He also had seven tackles on defense. Aiden Flory had six. Connor Jackson had five. Zach Westbrook, who almost had his third interception of the season almost had a pick six i'm sure he's probably still thinking about that one but had five tackles a good game too and i don't mean that as a knock like sometimes it just it just happens i'm not trying to single him out there by any means at all so douglas yeah they've got i mean vanden's good vanden's really good that offense was good at 
stretch in the field. They had some size on the line. They, as I said, they tried to run up the middle. And that's where they met Cole Smalley, and then they started going onto the wings. So, but I mean, they had a five ten running back who I believe from the broadcast I was watching, they said ran an eleven one hundred meter dash, which is cruising, and uh, it showed. And then obviously, Vanden could throw over the top as well, which is why they won a California sectional title last year. Threw for thirty two passing touchdowns a season ago, and did a good job of making that count when they needed to. And, you know, that's sometimes just the difference in games where one team scores a little more consistently than the other. And I mean, I, I maybe that probably goes without saying, cause that's sports, but yeah, that's uh it's still, I think a, a good result for Douglas, all things considered. And now they sit at one and one and uh, would, like I said, travel to McQueen Saturday, but one and one against two CIF section winners from a season ago. And I imagine they'd probably, I mean, obviously, they'd love to be 2-0, and but I'm sure they'd take 1-1, one and one, uh, given just how things went last year. Well, it sounds like it was a great experience for them. Yeah, and like we were just alluding to, played through a lot of heat, too, so we'll see what, what Saturday brings there. Um, moving over to volleyball, where we had a couple of season previews. I guess there are more season outlooks, because the season is underway here. We will start same with the same team down in Minden who go to Douglas High. They picked up their first postseason win last year in four seasons. Uh, they graduated all of their all-region talent from a year ago, but that doesn't mean that they don't have plenty more coming up. They still have a lot of players from last year. They have seniors Sophia Colby and Addie Dore, who will see plenty of time uh, this fall. Colby suffered a shoulder injury toward in the middle, toward the end of last year. So it'll be good for the Tigers to have her back. I know head coach Susie Townsville was extremely excited to to get her back and said she felt like she was peaking last year when she got hurt. So hoping that she's able to pick up right there. Uh, Sophia Vito and Megan Kelly, who were both JV setters last year, are up on the varsity roster. That if if you're gonna say there was a hole, there's a hole to fill. Uh, Douglas lost. I'd say 98% of their setting last year between uh, Emma Glover and Mia Bertoloni, both graduating. So between Vito and Kelly and maybe some of Sophia Colby, there uh, should be a few different setters um, getting some looks here early on. Uh, and Townsville said they may mix up their formation between a 5-1 or a 6-2, kind of depending on how things go there, which we will see. Um, they were 2-4 and four when I talked to them at the end of the last week there, uh, Addie door had 106 kills a season ago. So she'll be a staple in the middle for sure. Um, Shauna Rothschild who had 26 aces and 25 blocks will also be up the middle there. Uh, Townsville thinks that's where they're going to be. The strongest is, is up the middle. They both, both play club volleyball as well. So should be good to see there. They, um, also have a foreign exchange student this year who, Townsville thinks has been picking things up very nicely has, uh, I guess, transitioning to, to their style of volleyball, but hopes to see, hopes to see things from there. Um, Emerson Duffloff returns to the right side. She'll be accompanied with Shasta Gar and Leanne Lamalu and Susie Berger, who was a freshman last year who had 101 kills comes back for her sophomore season, uh, amongst a few other names that I've definitely left out. But, um, they got a lot of depth, and that was something that both Susie and assistant coach JoJo Townsville were were pretty high on, and we'll see what they can do. Uh, 
Reno and Bishop Minogue are the top dogs in volleyball until they're not. And uh, Douglas is, expects to be up there with them. Townsville was pretty pretty straightforward. She said, quote, it's going to be interesting. I truly believe we're up at the top one way or the other. And so we'll see what they can do. They lost 3 nothing to Reno, but... Uh, Townsville got on them a little bit after that, so I I imagine they'll that won't be the case the second time around. They're hoping they can they can prove that they'll be be tough competition for them. Uh, they also think that Galena is going to be a tough challenge as well. So over to Carson volleyball, which of course is under second season excuse me second year head coach Brittany Witter. Uh, she kind of dropped in at the toward the beginning of last year, and uh, they had a tough season to in her first year, but. She was very optimistic coming into this year, especially with the returning they have. She feels that, much like Douglas, that their block is going to be the one of their biggest strengths of the of the year. Anna Turner and Sarah Miller, who were both top two in blocks last year, are back. Turner had 20 blocks last season and had 62 kills as well. Miller led the team with 32 blocks and had 52, 53 kills of her own. Excuse me. They also have a freshman coming into this year in Abigail Franco, who Witter has high expectations for and thinks that she's going to be be a staple in the lineup there. Um, also, another another team with a lot of club players this year. So should be curious to see Kylie Heckman and Dana Myrene are going to be on the right side as hitters. Riley Colch has taken over the setter duties this season. Um, Carson intends on using more of a 5-1, which will be kind of a single setter look. As opposed to, I know they've run some 6-2 in the past, depending on where they're at. They don't have any intention of going 3-14 and again this year. That That is not something that uh, Carson Volleyball thinks will happen. And um, they fully intend to compete with, with everybody in the North. So we'll see what happens there. They obviously will have, have some work cut out for them. If, if Douglas thinks they're a top team, and then you got Reno and Minogue. Carson, if you know if they want to prove that they're up there, they gotta they gotta go and handle those three teams. And you know maybe they're not thinking top three just yet, but if they want to be a, a team that makes the playoffs and you know is a is a threat to to teams, we'll we'll quickly see that this fall, I'm sure, and uh, be good to see them put up some some tough competition this year, which I think they already have, especially against uh, Bishop Minogue, who they, of course, started the year with, which <laughs> that's, you know, nothing like starting the year with one of the best teams in Northern Nevada, if not the best team in Northern Nevada. So that's what we got for our sports so far. Obviously, we know we got a lot more going on um, this this week and last week. You can find all those results online at NevadaAppeal.com or RecordCourier.com. We have roundups every week that have, you know, kind of where we condense anything that didn't make it into a, a recap or a story into, you know, a little bit more of a condensed version to repeat myself. For uh, So for those of you who are looking for results there, those also make it online as well. Uh, either print or online, so be sure to find those there. And uh, without further ado, let's take a look at the schedule this week for, I guess, Northern Nevada sports fans of Carson Douglas, Dayton, and Sierra Lutheran of the the bunch. Yeah, so we've got just the home matches here, our home games, and uh, going to start with Douglas Tuesday. Boys tennis is at home. Thursday, boys tennis again, and then volleyball is at home. Uh, that starts at three forty-five. 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock with the varsity. And also Thursday is girls' soccer. They will be playing on the turf. JV starts at 5 and the varsity starts at 6.45. Normally, sometimes they play on the grass there, so those times will change during the the weeks coming. So I'm 
try to include those times so you know where they're playing because you got to get out early to get them on the grass. Moving over to Carson, a busier week for Carson Tuesday. They've got girls golf at Empire Ranch, girls tennis plays, and girls soccer plays again on the turf, 5 o'clock and 6.45. Thursday, uh, nothing going on Wednesday. So Thursday, girls tennis again at home, and then freshman football and JV football are on Thursday. Uh, freshman play at 3.30, JV plays at 5.45. And then Friday, uh, football, varsity plays versus basic from Henderson. So that rounds up the those two 5A teams. And then uh, out to Dayton on Wednesday, they've got volleyball, same same type of a schedule, 345 freshman, 5 o'clock JV, 6 o'clock varsity. And Thursday, boys soccer is at home. And then Friday with JV football starting at 430 and varsity at 7. Yeah, that's a that's a nice little week for, for us. So Keep you busy. Yeah, definitely keep us busy and looking forward to it. Uh, it's just really nice being out and out and about and seeing, you know, coaches and some of these athletes again that, that I got that was fortunate enough to cover last season. So definitely looking forward to to bumping into people. And uh, otherwise, I think that's going to do it for episode 41. I'm sure we'll see you around this week. And thank you guys for listening. As always, thank you to today's title sponsor in Double J Auto NV in Gardnerville. You can find them online at www.doublejautonv.com. Of course, thank you to Capital Ford for letting us set up here and uh, record on scene pretty pretty cool little uh area here and uh i've been staring at the tinting chart for the last 30 minutes just trying to figure out what i should do so <laughs> anyways thank you to my producer jeff mulvahill as always i'm your host carter eckle and we will catch you guys next week take it easy